Welcome to PlayStation Daily. I'm John Blanco. Today I'm going to be talking a little bit again after the hangover about the Game Awards of 2023. How's everyone doing? Two weeks till Christmas. Look, Thursday night was a really late night. I was very tired. I did a show to cover all of this stuff, and uh, I just wanted to have one more episode to talk about what happened, especially because when you're sitting there for three hours watching trailers, you miss things. And I feel like I missed some things. Uh, I saw some extra announcements, so I just wanted to talk about some of the stuff that we did see. And if you indulge me for just a minute... The game that I'm most excited about, Lost Records, Bloom and Rage, which is Don't Nod's apparent apparent narrative replacement for Life is Strange. Um, Square Enix uh, publishes that. They change developers. And I would think that there was a team at Don't Nod who's really good at making narrative games that had nothing to do. And the last narrative game they did was uh, the last Life is Strange game they did was 2018. I know that. When was Twin Mirror? Okay, yeah. So Twin Mirror was 2020. And then Tell Me Why, I am pretty sure was right after that. Oh, no, that was also 2020. So they released two story narrative games 2020. And so this is probably going to be the next one because I can't think of another one that they did. Um, But they're really good at it. They have teams that are really good at that. So why wouldn't they um, do it? But uh, what I was really interested to see is that there's been a statement from Donod saying that this will be the first game in its fresh Lost Records universe and is a brand new story driven journey through time. Now, I assume this was a narrative game, but I realized after talking about it all Thursday night, I'm not sure if we had confirmation. You know, they really hinted that they're the developers of Life is Strange and whatever, but it sure looked like it. So it's good to get confirmation, first of all, that that's it. But that this is a new game in the in a series, I'm very excited. And it probably explains the Bloom and Rage part. So I don't know if future games will be lost records and we'll get different titles from there. But, you know, yeah, why not? The Life is Strange games didn't really have names. There was Life is Strange, Life is Strange 2. The other games had names, but they weren't made by Don't Not. I don't know if it matters, but... Here is a bio of the game as well, if you didn't pick up on any of it. The magical summer of 1995 is one of self-discovery and forging unbreakable bonds for high school friends Swan, Nora, Autumn, and Cat. 27 years of no contact later, fate reunites them to confront the long-buried secret that made them promise to never speak again. I mean, jeez, I can't wait. (laughs) Another announcement that happened, I think, before the show. It wasn't during the show. And I was very excited to see this. In fact, I didn't see this till last night. As Dusk Falls was announced for the PS5, I believe, and the PS4. This is very exciting. This game came out on Xbox. It was an Xbox exclusive in 2022. This came out a little bit after I had gotten my PlayStation. And um, I ended up playing it with one of my one-month Game Pass sprees where I played... I think four or five games in the month of December. And I got to say, I thought this was the best game on Xbox in 2022. That was a a weak year. Uh, A big reason why I I was kind of getting tired of them. 2021 didn't have what I really wanted. 2022 was dry. And I thought this was the, the best game. Now, the first time I played this game, 
And it's it's a it's a narrative game with choices, just like all the other games I love anymore these days. Uh, it's notable for its art style. It has sort of a keyframe art style, meaning it's not like a 3D game. You're never walking around or anything. It really is dialogue choices, and that's it. Sometimes the screen will stop, and you can like kind of move your pointer around and look for items in the environment. But it's all keyframe driven. Now, it does take a while to get used to that art style. At first, you're just like, what is this? But you get used to it after a while. I don't, I wouldn't say I ever loved it, but the thing that is really good about it is it allows them to have a very varied set of dialogue choices and actions because they don't have to animate, you know, 10 minutes of a 3D scene. They can just draw. 2D art and the art's very nice, but it really does allow them to um, really expand. I played through it twice, and it's um, I I mean the the story kind of follows along, but there is definitely some big differences between the two. The other thing I really like about the game is they will show you the tree of possible scenes, so you can actually see where there's a lot of choice. I remember at one point I was looking, I think it was in a chapter two that I was playing, and I was like, whoa, there was like this whole branch of like huge possibilities. And I'm like, oh, I really want to see that. And I think you can rewind to those parts and play them out, or you can just play the game again, knowing which direction you're going in. I really like it. And the weird thing is it was published by Xbox. That's why I didn't think it would come. It really does open the door for other Xbox published games to make it. I think you will see games like Hi-Fi Rush make it to a PlayStation. I think anytime they have games that didn't sell well because they make them available on Game Pass and they really would like to get some extra sales, they will put them on other consoles, most likely PlayStation, down the road. So right now the game is being published by a different company for PlayStation. But keep an eye out. It's March 7th, 2024. I think I'm going to pick this one up again and play through it. Um, Really excited about that. And then they had a statement. We are leveraging the distinctive capabilities of the PS5 with haptic feedback to increase the weight of every decision and touchpad controls to make the gameplay even more intuitive. That's interesting. I like that they're spending some time putting in some haptic feedback. They're not just doing a straight port. Um, they do say increasing the weight of every decision, and I just wonder if the feedback will be on the decision screens. So it kind of remains to be seen. Either way, I'm interested in it. And um, yeah, if you like narrative games and haven't played this one, I, I definitely highly recommend it. Another game we saw that I totally just ignored um, on my last episode is Big Walk. Big Walk is from the company that made Untitled Goose Game. And on the Pantheon, maybe I should do a list someday. On the Pantheon of games that everybody should play, boy or girl, young or old, whatever kind of games you like, that a game that everyone would love, Untitled Goose Game is near the top of that list. This is a funny game, uh, a a game with, um, if not collectibles, but, you know, a a goal to 100%, a fun story, just hilarious. It even has co-op now. One of the greatest games ever made. It is hilarious. I've played through it once. I played through it with my daughter. We had a great time. Um, such a great game. And this is their follow-up, Big Walk. And I have to say, I mean, just initial impressions. I think this game is still a long way from coming out. 
it's weird. It's got a very conflicting art style. The characters are very low animated, and I'm not sure if that's the style or because it's new. I kind of expected something different. I've always waited for a sequel, but I understand if you've kind of exhausted everything you can do with geese. I always expected DLC for that game or something. They never went there. Maybe they're just not comfortable with it. Some companies just aren't comfortable with selling DLC. But um, yeah, Big Walk. I can't say right now it's on my radar in terms of like games I want to play, but it's definitely on my radar for games I want to hear more about. I think when you make a game as good as Untitled Goose Game, you've earned that. Uh, Monster Hunter Wilds, very excited about it. The thing I realized about this trailer was I started talking about the game. I when you when we watched the trailer, it was the last trailer of the show. It they, it was very open ended. What game is this? It really could have been anything. And I, I remember seeing it very early on. I said, is this Monster Hunter? But, you know, there's lots of games with monsters and whatever. Now now that I look at the trailer again a couple more times, it's very obviously Monster Hunter. Just You can just tell the way the, the, the sword, the, the weapon is on their back and everything. But um, the thing that Monster Hunter World always lacked was mobility ability to get around the map monster hunter rise had it but it came out three years later watching this trailer again i'm now it's kind of hitting me that the character was on this animal that's all I'll just an animal and riding around the map but then also that same animal was the animal that was flying through the air so if you look at monster hunter rise as a game where you had the dog this is the exact same thing except the dog can now fly. So I'm really excited about the mobility here. I didn't see the wire bug, but like we're seeing that mobility is going to come. So basically we're going to get what we want. Monster Hunter World plus Monster Hunter Rise in one. So very excited about that one. <laughs> 2025. Ah! Um, but it is going to get me more into Monster Hunter World. I'm going to play a little bit more this week. And then finally, in terms of games, Silk Song. Radio silent since E3 2022. Uh, somebody want to do a welfare check on our uh, our friends from Australia? This is just the weirdest thing to me. The, the game was looked like it was ready to go, I think, in like 2019 or 2018. And then we didn't hear anything. And then, you know, COVID game and whatever. And it just was completely silent until 2022 when out of the blue it appeared in the Xbox E3 uh, showcase. And then they said it was going to be released within a year. And it was like, oh, within a year, it should be released like next week. And then a year has gone by and they had delayed it to the second half of 2023. And I mean, now that the Game Awards is over, it's December 9th. I think we're done. And I know that that studio takes a long break for Christmas. So there's no way it's releasing before Christmas. So the earliest this will come out is 2024. And that's just nuts. I can't I still can't believe it. So um, that's it for the games. The last thing I'm going to talk about is just the format of the Game Awards. It's gotten a lot of criticism. It always does. I mean, gamers are really picky, myself included, and um, that's fine. But if there is one thing that does bug me about the Game Awards is the celebrity appearances. I just find them so agonizing. So many times they bring celebrities on the stage and they don't even really know what to do. You know, I'm like, and this time around, we had like Matthew McConaughey come out and Anthony Mackie, who I guess is in Twisted Metal. I'm not familiar with him. 
And it's they kind of come out on stage and there's just a lot of hesitation and silence and whatever. And it's like, can we get back to a, like, you know, a new premiere or a new trailer or something? And then they introduce a game. So in, in the case, Matthew McConaughey introduced a game that he's apparently in. Although I looked at the trailer and I I didn't see him in it. And then Anthony Mackie came out to give an award. Um, if you can't remember who Anthony Mackie is, he's the guy who came out and was just pointing at people. <laughs> it was very noticeable at the time. And it's two minutes and it does nothing. It's like, can we give that two minutes to the developers to talk about their game? Can we give that two minutes to like another trailer? Like I, anything else? I will give a pass to Gonzo. Gonzo was fine. Gonzo did very well. It was funny. Um, if you watch that again, read the notes on the board behind him. They're actually really funny. And one of the pictures has source code on it. <laughs> I don't know if it's important source code, but uh, it has source code of some sort. But yeah, overall, I mean, I, I do like the show. The interviews are just the worst. Uh, sometimes the this show just stops and they talk to a developer um, and I'll be honest, sometimes it's like they're Japanese and you have to you have to wait for them to like talk and then have it translated. There's been a lot of Japanese developers, not that it should be a surprise. It's a, you know, game awards, but it just kind of like adds the length of everything. And then like Jeff Keighley, like the there was a guy who came out who do who had done No Man's Sky and they talked about the success and whatever. And then he's like, well, We've been busy working on another game for the last five years. And Jeff Keighley acted like he was so surprised. What? What a surprise. And and then, like, they show it. And it's like, come on. Like, do we really have to pretend like we didn't know? You know, come on. And it comes on the big board. It's like, clearly it's there. There was some, I heard someone saying that the when Baldur's Gate 3 won at the end, that they were announcing, like, um people who had passed away during the development process. And I didn't really pick up on it because I think it was chattering while that was going on. And I went to rewatch it and that they were, they were played off, you know, and I was watching it and they, they talked about one person who had died in the last month of development, which is really sad. And, um, but yeah, they weren't really getting played off. There is a, um, a board, uh, like, a like, a um, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, like how they have the boards. It doesn't have a script. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like a teleprompter, but it's just a board that can communicate to the people on stage. And it said, like, please wrap up. That was for everybody. They basically had it go off after like maybe 30 seconds or so. Please wrap up. So but they didn't really play them off or force them off or anything. So I don't think it was really that bad. I mean, overall, I like the Game Awards. I could do without a couple of things, but I think everybody has their nitpicks, so I think that's fine. I think overall I, I enjoy watching it. And it's really replaced E3 for me because there is no E3. And Jeff Keighley's trying to do Summer Game Fest, but I don't know. I just feel like he's slapping a name on a presentation everyone's going to do anyway. I've heard somebody say they should just call this Winter Game Fest and get rid of the awards. I don't really want to do that. I don't put a lot of stock in the awards. I mean, I, I want to see my favorite games win, but if they don't, I, I move on with my day. I don't, it doesn't make me feel like that game wasn't the best of the year for me. But um, yeah, I'd rather just kind of leave it how it is, warts and all. Um, I think overall it's very enjoyable and there's good announcements and whatever. So yeah, I, you know, just can't wait till next year, right? Uh, hopefully some of my favorite games that uh, 
I saw in this are going to be nominated and win next year, right? Best narrative. Let's go. Lost records. Let's go. But write us. Let me know what you think. PlayStation Daily is your daily podcast for everything Sony PlayStation. You can send me topic ideas you'd like to hear me talk about, feedback for the show, or just say hello on threads at PS Daily Pod, or send me an email to PlayStationDailyPod at gmail.com. Hope you've enjoyed today's pod. Happy gaming, happy holidays, and until next time. PlayStation.